Don't frazzle my sh- It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Hey, did you guys know that in that intro image, mm-hmm. it's not actually just an image, it's a video. Oh, is it? I mean, you can't really tell because of the resolution and stuff, but uh, some of the plants are moving. I just went up to um, a little hiking location and filmed that, and it's actually a little video clip. We meant to, didn't we mean to like do that when it, those, it snowed yeah, and have our like Our goal seasonal... was to change the seasons. It's 15 minutes away, and it's like, oh, that's so oh, far. That's far. I, I don't think I can get there today. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to The Morning Show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And today we're going to talk about woodworking. Mm -hmm. We're going to answer questions. We're going to pop this little stupid thing out of my coffee. And then I'm going to start drinking it. Ah, coffee. Yes. So this show is supported by you folks. Mm -hmm. And we really appreciate that. Uh, Folks help us out over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. But also on YouTube. And we're getting a lot of people either moving to Mm -hmm. YouTube or just doing that because that's the platform they want to use. Even though YouTube was down yesterday. Oh, was it? It was like a whole thing. It's probably because I released the SketchUp video. (laughs) That's that's what it is. I tried to get into the page and it was just like, I'm like, something's not right. Uh, on the YouTube side of things, I get questions all the time about, like, how do I join? What's the situation with that? If you're on the, uh, the desktop, you'll definitely see a button that says join or anything referencing membership. That's where you'll find that. Um, if you're on uh, mobile, that's a different story. They're only kind of, it seems like they're only rolling it out to certain channels right mm-hmm. now, the ability to do it on mobile. Uh, Linus Tech Tips had it. Oh. Well, they have a few more subscribers than I we feel. do. <laughs> so maybe well, they're we're more happy important. you're here. Apo Apina said, I choose you. For my evening entertainment. Oh, sweet. Thank you, Apo Well, look at you. Uh, so let's thank a couple of people. Actually, a lot of people. Steve Colburn, Judy Grass, Peter Reeves, Joshua Pittendrig, Andrew Hume, R.B., Matthew Cleveland, Derek Brading, Gerald R., Rick Eskenden, Bryce Reed. Uh, this is unpronounceable. B-A-B-S-89-Z-R-1. <laughs> so I think it's a I robot. I love it. It's got to be a robot. Boop, boop, boop. I'm supporting the show. Uh, Donald Norton, J. David Slow, Slaw. And uh, David K. So thank you so much, everybody. Uh, you don't really know how much it means to us. So I'm going to tell you, it means a lot. All right. So we have lots of questions. I have questions from Patreon uh, and YouTube. What did you just drop? The oh. little swizzle stick thing. Oh, oh my swizzle stick. Yeah, it okay. fell. Gotcha. Uh, and Nicole is looking at the live chat room. So if you're here now, you don't need to. You don't need to pay anything. You don't need to be anywhere early. You can just ask a question right now. And we're going to answer it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. If, I, if we can get it yeah, out of the chat. Every, yeah. <laughs> chat moves a little bit quickly. Move, it does move quickly, but I'm trying to grab them as we go. And cool. we, we're going to, yeah, go for about 45 minutes. Yeah, it's going to be a Something. little bit, it's going to no, be a it's, tight show. it's going to be a normal show. It's going to be the length of the sh- that the show should be, that's <laughs> yes, what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know what? Last week, I don't know whether it was just something with timing and where people were or people were, it was just weirder because like, all day, I was getting messages from people who had screen caps of things like how they were watching the show. Yeah. And, like there might be a baby there or Aww. somebody's watching in their shop. For whatever reason, last I week. I kind of like that. I loved it. We got more of that than we normally do. Uh, and also in our guild meeting, uh, it reminded me how much I like to see where people are from. Mm-hmm. You know, so if uh, if you want to just do a shout out in the chat room, let everybody know where you're from. It's kind of cool. Well, they usually say, see, Dave, he's from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yep. 
There you go. I love that. All right, so leather aprons are back in stock in the Wood Whisperer store. If you're interested in one of those, that's TWWstore.com. Uh, it's a lifetime apron. Uh, it's made by the folks at Cal Calvera. Cal I always think of like lotion. Cal Calavera? Like uh, calamine. Calamine lotion. Right? I think uh, we've done that joke. My buddy, <laughs> my buddy Michael over there makes some fantastic leather goods, including our special aprons. So hmm. if you're interested in that, go check that out. TWWstore.com, right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Ken Marnana. <laughs> I, I, do you guys still make the planer brackets? This actually came up in an email. Yeah, you asked me about that. And uh, the guy said, okay, could you tell me who does make them? Because I maybe they have a few in stock. I said, we make, we used to make them, and no, we don't have any they in stock. They were designed by Andy, yep. and we had them custom made and produced, and uh, we, we weren't able to continue selling them. Yeah. So, no, we don't. We're not making them anymore. Look at that. We got some Australians. We got some uh, Maine. We got California. California, you hit the 101. <laughs> you go down the 101 up to the, up to Mulholland. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do some questions, shall we? Mm. That's kind of why we're here. Okay, someone says, watch this or uh, watch the new sketch of it. I literally just pressed publish on a sketch of video. Oh, did you? Just before I came in here. It's, it's not like a really in-depth video. It's a few tips for file management. And that's... I, I get that question so much. About, like, I have a, a profile. Can you just convert it for me mm -hmm. to 2017? I'm like, no, but I could teach you how to do it. So uh, <laughs> Matthew, who you had up on the screen, is yeah. who does our show notes and oh, our it? captioning now. Oh, sweet. So, so he, um, gets to, he gets to put a time code for his own question. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> what a lucky guy. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what else? I don't know. Oh, this is related to a question. Okay. Let's just get to the question. Just Ready? get to it. Just get That's to all it. you guys are here yeah, for. Yeah. Donald Starnes says, now that you have... The Merca sander, when will you be doing the comparison? I uh, also would like to know if the sandpaper is better. Well, I am not doing anything with the sandpaper yet because I want to compare this sander to the one that I've been using for years now. And the way to do that is to use the same paper. I don't want to throw in another variable. Um, I used this for several hours yesterday, sanding down a old bench. Uh, had a good time with it. Um, but I think what people don't realize is a lot of the reviews and impressions that they're seeing on YouTube are usually people who, at this point that I'm at, would make a review. And I don't think that makes any sense. To, to really understand what this sander does, if there's any reason to pay more than Festool, if you've, you know, this, these are expensive sanders, guys. Um, that's the real question is, is it worth uh, like $250 more than a Festool. Wrap your head around that. Uh, that's the kind of question I'm trying to answer. And I can't answer that in a couple of hours. So this video will come out. This is one of those times where like, when is it going to be done? When it's ready. Uh, because honestly, I need... <laughs> when it's done. <laughs> I, I really need more time with this uh, because time is going to tell me about longevity. It's going to help me just kind of determine, am I getting things done faster? Is it cutting better? Am I getting less fatigue in my hands? Stuff like that. So it is coming. Uh, but I don't really have a date or anything I could promise based on that. Mm, yeah. Michael Block wants to know, I'm looking for a good all-around table saw that won't break the bank. Any recommendations? Oh, gosh. I know. That's such a... Well, I mean, what's your... What, I don't know how big your bank is. Yeah. <laughs> because there's contractor-grade saws. There are portable saws. There are cabinet saws. Um, and I don't really follow all that closely mm -hmm. enough to even rattle off things off the top of my head, though cabinet saws is kind of something I'm more familiar with. Uh, when I got a saw for our beginner series, mm -hmm. I picked up the DeWalt. There's a DeWalt uh, contractor. No, port, it's a portable saw. Yeah. Um, but it gets great reviews. People love that uh, DeWalt table saw. So if that's the, if that's the bank range you're in, 
uh, if I would go with the DeWalt, that's what I picked. Maybe somebody in the chat might have a suggestion too. Yep. Okay. Ross says, I can't believe you caved on adding a heart to the blanket rack. When will it stop? Are there no lines anymore? It looks nice. You guys want to see this? The video is going to be um, out in a while. <laughs> when it's out. <laughs> Look, next week, Todd starts. And Yay! We have a full-time editor, and we should be flowing at that point. So uh, take a look at this. There's the final blanket rack with a couple of uh, Nicole's sweet quilts on I there. made two of those. The Star Trek one is not mine. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the one we bought. Uh, and if you want to see the heart we're referencing, the two hearts. I think it turned out nice. Yeah. Pretty cute, and uh, got a lot of help from uh, John on that, uh, our John mm -hmm. here, um, helping with the CNC on that. But it is just an epoxy fill, so I can't. People, this is interesting because people talk about the whole thing with CNC and judging, like, usually you hear it in terms of judging other people's work because it came off of a CNC. Is it as valuable as someone who did something by hand? And there's usually a lot of what? The clock says Thursday. Oh, does it? <laughs> The clock is stupid. <laughs> stupid clock. Uh, so there's usually a lot of judgment happening in there. But I don't know if people talk much about your personal pride when you use the CNC. And I can, I can honestly say, as much as I fully support CNC work and want people to continue to push that uh, envelope and push it more to do more things for woodworkers, I personally don't have as much pride in that little detail as if I had done that by hand. And that's just for me. You know, I feel like I, I, I give myself more credit if I do it by hand. And that's just a, a personal thing. So I, I just thought that was interesting because I haven't really uh, done things on the CNC that I could potentially have done, mm -hmm. you know, manually. I usually use the CNC to do things that I can't do another like way. Like those intricate hearts. Well, and those intricate hearts were a little, probably a little bit more detailed and thinner than I would have gone if I did uh, my own, you know, sort of uh, inlay. So. Mm -hmm. Michael Michaels in the chest has been watching your videos nonstop for two weeks. Oh, baby. I'm new to woodworking. That must hurt. And <laughs> from, uh, he's from Golson, Texas. Oh, nice. Thanks for Hope hanging out with well us, Michael. Uh, Kent Johnson says, did you sand or put a finish on your T111? I've concerns that the rough surface uh, of the siding would hold more dust if left untreated. Do you notice any adhering to the surface? He's talking about this stuff. Uh, you can get it in 4x8 sheets. It's great for... Not only decorating the shop, making it look like a wood shop, but also giving you, you know, I think this is five-eighths, giving you a nice surface that you could screw into and hang stuff on. It's actually really, really functional. Um, I did sand it down lightly because a lot of times it's really like there's that feathery, weird, rough material on there. So I will take a random orbit sander, 80 grit, and just go over it. I'm not looking to finish it like a piece of furniture. I'm just kind of knocking down the high stuff. And then I hit it with... A Danish oil and not because I was trying to hide dust or try to prevent dust from sticking um, I hit it with a medium walnut Danish oil and the only reason was to tone down the yellow uh, This stuff is very very yellow and I have to film everything so to me when I would look at the background of the show I was like mm, I don't like that that's bright yellow it's just an orangey mm -hmm. right so I just wanted to tone it down a little bit and I use Danish oil for that um, you know it's a wall like I wouldn't put too much effort into this, uh, give it a light sanding. If you have some cheap finish laying around, throw some finish on there, put it on the wall and start. I mean, most of it's covered with crap anyway, so <laughs> it's fine. Just want to welcome uh, Dino Bat to the Bonus Live Show. He's a new YouTube member. Ooh. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> he emailed me and said, 
having a little trouble with YouTube right now. Oh, like, no worries, okay. no worries. And I got a super chat from, oh, it just was right there, from Robert Price. He says, I'm pretty sure it needs more hearts. Oh, come on now. It's very <laughs> subtle and tasteful, I like to think. Okay, Devin Perkins says, Mark, how tall would you make, how tall should I make my workbench? This is my first real workbench. I'm 6'3", and every work surface of any kind for normal people, normal people like us, Nicole. We're not normal. They call us shorties. <laughs> uh, let's see, for normal people is too short. Is there a general rule of thumb? I'm thinking of just making one to two inches taller and uh, if I need to trim the legs later, I could do that. Mostly power tool woodwork though. I do some light hand tool work for fine tuning things. Okay, well at 6.3 and the fact that you're focusing mostly on power tools, I would say you, you wanna add a couple of inches to that. Um, a traditional way of finding a good workbench height is to hold your palm out like this, extend your arm straight down and then stand there. Right, have someone take a tape measure. Yeah, like this, hold your hand down uh -huh. flat. That should be the top of your workbench. And that's usually for traditional hand tool work. So, so I'm a little, it's a little, should your arm be straight? Yeah, your arm should okay. be straight. I feel like I'm extending it a little too well, much. And this is the thing, it's, it's per person. Yeah. And you might have longer arms than someone else. The rule of thumb, you know, for, for workbench height is based on average height. So you should, you know, take a look at that. Um, and keep in mind though, if you are using power tools, as power tool users, a lot of times we do like things to be a little bit higher, right? Because we're getting down with a router on a surface. We're not necessarily putting our body weight into things with power tools, but we want things to be closer to our eyes so that we can make the work that much easier. So uh, given your situation, yes, make it higher, but use that as your starting point and maybe even add just a little bit to it. Uh, Jason Covey in the chat kind of <laughs> made me laugh. He's I, unreal. I dreamed about you guys last night. TWW has apparently drilled that deeply into my psyche. I have no idea. I'll take it. You're dreaming about us. I'm I'll sorry. I've been dreaming about a video game for the past week. Yeah. Shooting arrows <laughs> Shoot, through flaming shooting holes. Shooting arrows. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Shane, Shane Myers says, what length of guide rail do you use uh, for ripping eight foot plywood? Um, trying to determine if I need the 106 or the 118. Well, here's the thing. The 106 will get the job done, uh, but that's only giving you what? 96, uh, 10 inches. Is it? No, 98. Yeah. 10 inches. So that's five inches on the trailing end and five inches on the lead, leading end. And this is where it becomes a problem. With a track saw, you usually have to plunge first and then go. If you only have four or five inches on the leading end, it's not giving you a whole lot of runway to get started. So oftentimes you'll, you'll go push down, but during that plunge, you actually contact the plywood and it can kind of jolt you back a little bit. So uh, you can get by with the 106, you'll be happier with the 118. So at that point, I don't know how much money it adds, but you're already gonna be spending a ton of money for this thing. So I would honestly recommend spending a few bucks more and get that extra runway on both ends for starting the cut and safely ending the cut. Uh, let's see. No, there's no distance contest on who's watching from the furthest distance from us. <laughs> uh, who wants to do that math? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, Dino Bat. It's still she. It's a she. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, worse. you didn't have to do a super chat for that. I would have seen it. To correct us yeah, on something? I feel bad. Oh, that sucks. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kurt Allen says he's working on a design for a writing desk that leans toward mid-century modern. 
Would you consider 7 8 stock for the desktop or do you feel like mid-century modern design fits better with three-quarter material for a piece of this type? Anytime I can go thicker than three-quarters of an inch, I'm going for it. Um, there are very few instances where I look at three-quarter and go, yeah, that looks better. It can happen, but I, I especially for a desktop, I like things to be a little bit beefier. Uh, so I think if, you know, if you're using 7 8 throughout, the whole scale of the piece kind of increases a little bit. And that eighth of an inch, I don't think it's really that dramatic, uh, but I think it can make a, a difference in you know sturdiness of the top and... Um, overall, I think what, what happens is commercial pieces that we see tend to use three quarters because that's the in industry standard. But then you start to look at custom work and what makes custom work look so good sometimes is that they are not necessarily uh, adhering to some custom number. We don't have to get down to three quarters if we have enough stock to accommodate more, right? So I'm a big fan of trying to go thicker whenever you can, if it makes sense. And if you don't have to buy extra material, uh, it, can you imagine just planing that material away, even though it's already now a flat board? Um, I like to keep as much of the material in the board as possible. So play with the design, see if it looks clunky. You know, if it starts to not look slender enough to fit the style, then back down to three quarters. But I think you, without seeing your actual workpiece uh, in the project, I think you probably could get away with uh, seven eighths. I want to get a shout out to Sandy Adams. Just became a guild member this week. First project is in the works. That's awesome, Sandy. Um, Welcome, Sandy. Yeah. And uh, here's seeing. Sandy's comment that just came in. I oh. added an adjustable height Husky workbench to my shop. Great for work that I want higher. Uh, really solid. Steel drawers are great and the tools being close at hand as well. That's a real good point, Sandy. Adjustable height. I don't even think about that with workbenches, but if you are a hybrid woodworker mm -hmm. who uses hand tools and power tools, uh, there might be certain tasks where you want that thing to go up or down, depending. Yeah. So an adjustable height base. She picked up the Fremont nightstand. Not a bad idea. Um, have made two other green and green projects using Daryl Daryl's books. Having Darryl's on video great. is great. That's yeah. awesome. Daryl's books it. are fantastic. I read his books before I met him, and then I took a class with him at William Eng School. Uh, hit it off, and I said, "Hey, mind if I take some digital pics? Mind if I, mind take, if I take some pics of your project?" Um, <laughs> he gave me access to some amazing things in the green and green world. Uh, that I'll always be thankful for. Um, Absolutely no one in the chat will get that reference. No, they won't. It, I, unless I, you follow me on Twitter, because I posted the video. I actually clipped it out. Wasn't it from the Brack Show? It was from the Brack Show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> By the way, if you have HBO Max and have never seen the Brack Show and grew up with, like, Space Ghost, mm -hmm. it's so funny. It's so, so funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Oh, here you go. little promotional thing. Anton says, uh, I started I started the day by reading one of your great books. I'm really impressed by the books, all the time that went into making them. So amazing. Really recommend it to everyone. Well, thank you, Anton. The books were, uh, that was an experience. Wasn't it, Nicole? <laughs> the first one was more of an experience. The first one was worse. Yeah, the first one was... Hybrid woodworking was really difficult. That was really, really hard Yeah, essential you. joinery was a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, and if you're interested in those books, that's at twwstore.com. He get signs every one of them. I do. I sit down at the dining table, get a cup of coffee. Sometimes With your mom waffle. going, did you sign my books? Every night. <laughs> did you sign my books? Every night, guys. <laughs> uh, just checking. Did you sign those books yet? Mom, relax. <laughs> Chill, Mom. Mm. We don't want to sell that many. Jeffrey wants to know if you, we have a recommendation on a laser engraver. Mm-mm. We have no lasers. I've never looked into pew, pew, lasers. Pew. Oh, I would love to. We're getting into 3D printing. 
Now I kind of want to do laser. Yeah, the new 3D printer shipped. It's on its way. I introduced the the neighbor the neighbor kids to the 3D printer mm -hmm. and it's like I watched their minds being blown. Yeah. It was the coolest Mind thing. Mind blown. They were, they were, I said, yeah, you can pretty much print anything here. What? Ah, uh, dog? <laughs> okay. Slyher says, I glued two pieces together and wanted to trim the sides to be squarish. I've done it with my table saw. It's a $200-ish table saw with a miter gauge attached to a plywood um, fence extension. The gauge is petite at most. The glued piece is something like 4x4x5. Four by four by my first try was a complete failure. Do you have any guesses of what could have been the reason for such big discrepancies? I've checked out the squareness of the miter blade, um, the miter to the blade at least twice before the cut. And I've got a picture, a little visual aid here. Oh, I love it when they send pictures. So that's pretty far out. Um, all right, so when it comes to something like this, the, it's, there's good news and bad news. So the good news is there can only be a couple of things wrong. Um, Wait, is that good news or bad news? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of lost the uh, where I was going with it. Yeah. So the thing is, there's only a couple of things that could be wrong. The trouble is trying to find what those things are and actually fix it on what may not be the most reliable or easy to calibrate saw and miter gauge. So you've got a couple things to look at. Your miter gauge squareness is one of them. You need to make sure that your blade is actually square to the table. You need to make sure that your slot is parallel to the blade so that the blade itself, the way it's mounted to the tabletop, uh, sometimes you have to tilt it one way or the other to make it parallel with the miter slot. Uh, the other thing is simply movement. So as you're pushing this through, that's a pretty big chunk of wood. Right? So you might actually slide that workpiece and not realize it uh, as you're making the cut. Just friction is kind of causing you to move away from the cut. And then, of course, the last thing might be blade deflection. That level of error that I see there does not look like blade deflection to me. But as you're taking a thin blade, cutting something very thick on what might be an underpowered saw, um, you could wind up having movement in the blade itself, and that could cause an imperfect cut. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is like... Get down and dirty with some calibration. Bow, um, chicka, bow, bow. Because there's no reason, if everything is square and you're not moving the workpiece, it has to cut square. Like, that. there's there's no other way around that. Something is off and, and you got to investigate. Got a nice super chat from Kirk Hart. He asked, what are your views on wood rasp files? What do you have and what do you recommend? I have RU rasps. Are, you, are they still in business? We, we always go through this. Who knows this year? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. RU makes great rasps. There are a couple other companies that do hand stitched rasps. In a, are they in Amazon? I thought we put it in the Amazon store. I, I wasn't know. sure. I don't think so. They might just be at specialty vendors. Okay. Uh, you know, and for me, I like a couple different rasps. I like to have one that's a large coarse rasp for heavy stock removal. Then a large sort of, uh, uh, yeah, medium to fine rasp. Uh, and then I like to have a small modeler's rasp. It's usually like a little seven inch rasp uh, because those big ones are kind of unwieldy. The small seven inch rasp allows you to get into like really tight spaces. Um, those three <coughs> represent a pretty good mix of, of things you can do. Uh, the other thing is if you don't want to buy separates, you can actually get double-sided rasps and they'll, you know, they'll be a little bit different. It's usually square or rectangular uh, and you'll have a coarse side on one side and uh, medium to fine on the other. They don't sell it on Amazon anymore, but the, the product 
page is there so you can know exactly know what we're talking about what we're talking about mm -hmm. but there's the the link to the link on amazon the ru cabinet rasp again don't know if they're still in business they've had some ups and downs yeah but that's the one mark has okay garrett barton says i'm going to be making a live edge dining table out of some maple and was curious hold on do i still have that image up oh my gosh i do <laughs> oh no <laughs> people in the chatting be like we Change get the it. image. We get it. We've seen it. I was just reading going, I think I left that image up. <laughs> okay, so live edge dining table. What's the best way to do the glue up? The live edge of the board tapers down pretty significantly from six quarter to two quarter. So it seems like it will be difficult to get much of a grip. Also completely unrelated. Any plans for some mission style furniture in the guild? We haven't, you haven't done Mission in a while. No, I like Mission style, too. Yeah. Um, it's a fun style, and uh, quarter saw and white oak is a beauty. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get into some fuming. Yeah. Fuming, quarter saw. What? Quarter saw? Quarter saw? Quarter? 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 <laughs> <Can't song? talk. laughs> okay. uh, so clamping a really irregular surface, it's going to be tricky, because um, you're trying not to damage that edge, right? Um, a lot of times when I've done things like that, and it isn't very often, I've used something soft, you know, so like t-shirt material or a blanket, something that you can kind of bunch up on the edge, and it's not going to be able to apply as much pressure as if you were having a, you know, plastic clamp contacting hard wood and bringing those pieces together, but it's usually adequate. Um, so that might be what I would look into is some, some way of clamping it like that. There may be other tricks of the trade, like for people who deal in live edge uh, stuff. So maybe Google around, chat room might have some suggestions, but I think I've only done one live edge project and it wasn't a glue up. Um, but there have been times where I've had very irregular surfaces that I wasn't able to make a jig to clamp and I still wanted to bring those pieces together and I just use soft stuff, you know, uh, t-shirt material usually. Just to cushion it a little bit. <clears throat> we actually have a super chat from last week that I missed. Oh boy. So uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, uh, I think it's from Mike. Uh, yep, Mike. Mike, Mike. Mike, uh, Milkrut? Mikrut. 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 Morning, Spags. I'm planning on a dining table this spring, and I'm on the fence about building the chairs. Any leads for fairly simple design? Don't do it. <laughs> Mark is not a fan of chairs. In fact, every, every time a I love sitting in them. Yes, you do. A guild member sends me, like, I just made, like, eight chairs. They're like, yep, I'm done. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> so we want to lead on a simple plan. Yeah, a simple plan. Is 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 the dining chair in the guild? Because Mark did a dining chair build in Yeah, the take guild. a look at the, the chair that I built in the guild. Mm -hmm. I would not call it a simple chair. It right. is elegant, and we give you all the info you need to build it. Uh, but I would not really classify that as a simple chair. Um, Even Matt Carmona's... Um, look at Matt's kits. Kits, because you still have to do a lot of work. They have a lot of work to do. Um, I think that's a good compromise for somebody who wants the look of a custom-made chair, uh, something better that you than you can just buy in the store. Um, it still makes you feel like you did something because you actually do have to do a lot of work uh, with the assembly of those chairs. It's just money. It's going to cost you money uh, for that convenience and quality. So um, check out Matt Cremona's uh, chair kits if you're looking at something I'll put a like link that. in the chat room. I know, I know you're probably not in the chat right now, Mike, but uh, if you watch the replay, it'll, it should be in the show notes and also, in the side. If you, like one of the things that tends to happen these days is people either never knew that other resources are there or they just kind of 
grew up, so to speak, on YouTube. So they assume if I can't find it on YouTube, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Take a look at some of the magazine's websites. Look at finewoodworking.com. Look at Wood Magazine. Uh, they usually have incredibly reasonably priced plans and articles for what you would call a simpler chair. You could probably find a fairly, like the mission style. We just talked mm -hmm. about mission style. Mm -hmm. Mission style chairs tend to be more squared off, fewer angles, fewer curves. Um, that is a basic kind of chair. And you could probably find a, a darn good plan. Um, you know, uh, I was going to say Woodsmith too, maybe? Um, yeah, because they do shop notes and Woodsmith magazine. So uh, Woodsmith, Wood, Fine Woodworking, those magazines, we often, some, you know, often, often sometimes. Often sometimes. Dismiss these, <laughs> Never. Uh, you know, older resources that have been around for a long time, but they've been around for a long time. And everything that's being done on YouTube, they already did 10 years ago. So 15 years ago. Uh, Russ, let me know that Lee Valley has the RU RASP oh, for sale in stock. Well, there you go. There you go. Go check get out, Check out Lee Valley. Okay. Dr. Benja uh, Benjamin Bodner Esquire, lawyer podiatrist at large. <laughs> he is so talented. Yeah. He wants to let everyone know to uh, make sure you keep those feet clean. <laughs> he says, I'm modifying the chest of drawers plans to make nightstands. The nightstands won't be as wide as the chest of drawers. Would you still include a center divider in the back panel to give the web, support, web frame support across the span? The web frames will be 23 inches wide rather than 29 and a half inches uh, for the chest of drawers. So at the back of this chest of drawers... There's a solid wood panel. Mm. And what I did was I split the panel into two. So you have a style that goes all the way down, separates the two panels, but also gives us a place that we could put dados in so that the web frame that goes in, and the web frame is what the drawer's weight is sitting on, is connected at that back like little spine, essentially. So it's giving a huge amount of structural support so that there's no sag over time. So he's reducing the width uh, by you know six, six and a half inches. Um, so the question is, on a 23-inch span, uh, let's say maybe like this, is it sturdy enough or does he still need to put that spine in there? I don't think you do, Ben. Um, my gut tells me that you'll probably be fine without it. Um, you could do it if you, if you want to go you know, follow the, the plan more closely and kind of mimic what we did in the chest of drawers. My gut says for something of that size, I don't think you need it. I think the, the web frames attached to the sides will be sturdy enough. I think you'll be fine unless you're storing like really heavy gold bricks in there. You might then want extra support because <laughs> I know you have gold bricks. Dan Linsky, Lins uh, when, when is it more appropriate to use a vertical sled at a router table versus a coping sled for cutting miters on Bach slides? There's the question. I know when I read to you, you... You're like that woman with the question, like the little equation meme. That <laughs> uh, I think it's personal preference, Dan. You're just talking about, I mean, going 45. So you're, you're talking about a vertical versus, so the vertical sled, uh, think like a tenoning jig or something like that. Um, but basically the workpiece is being held vertical versus a, a coping sled, which is typically a flat horizontal sled that the workpieces stay flat and horizontal. Um, I don't know that it matters a whole lot. I, I, I want to see particular use cases. What bit specifically are we using for this? I think that might also dictate the orientation. I feel like I don't have enough information to answer this really well. Mm. Well, if, Dan, if you want to give us more information, I'll look for it in the chat. I also want to say hi to Heather. She's spending her lunch hour at school watching us. Oh, nice. 
Thanks for hanging out with us, Heather. But to go back to Dan, most of the time, I tend to gravitate toward not going vertical unless I need to. You know, there are just some times like a sliding dovetail. There's really no way to get around some kind of a vertical cut if you're doing that with a router table. Um, so if I can get away with it, though, I'm going to go horizontal. It just makes me feel better, and gravity seems to like it more. There you go. Okay, so I'm totally out of questions. I have, I, have, I have more. Dan Hernandez says, do you have a humidifier in your shop? I see your planes out without socks. I think socks help prevent rust. We're in a very dry climate. Yeah, so Super dry. The, 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 was, where's the question? Do you have a humidifier in your shop? No, you do not have a humidifier in yeah. your shop. Yeah, so we, we it would be great. I actually would like a little more humidity in yeah. here, um, but it's a losing battle uh, just because it, it's, it's a garage, right? So um, no, no humidifier, and of course, being in Denver, you know, a little coat of wax is all I need. Now that said, if a little bit of water gets on any of this stuff, it's not very well protected. Uh, if someone were to put like a cold soda can on my table saw, mm -hmm. I got, I'd have a rust tattoo like immediately um, because everything is so dry. You just introduce moisture and you know, it's game over. Um, so yeah, having lived in Arizona and having lived in Denver, um, both places are super, super dry. So yeah, in the house though, we have humidity um, help running all day long. We but, have house humidifiers, whole house, yeah. and supplemental humidifiers with small um, units from room to room. But you don't store your planes in the house. Can I? No. Is that an option? No, it's not. Are you presenting that as no, an option? No, I'm because, saying... I mean, I might give that some thought. I could use a little more room in here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, Barry Johnson wants to know, the PDF of the outfeed table uh, have the... Cutlass and exploded views not agreeing with the parse label. Yeah, on the we cutting. have a new version coming out. Okay. Yeah. Settle down. <laughs> now, what I'm going to do is um, actually, when we're done here, I'm going to publish the new version. You should be able to then go back in and, and simply it. download it. I probably will shoot out an email if we can isolate people who bought it. Uh, maybe. I don't know if we can. Because uh, I, I want people I to guess know. I can, I can probably export it and then import it. And... Yeah, the numbers are off. And. Um, it, the thing is, there's two people who touch these plans, right? So Brian is making the SketchUp. I'm taking, you know, we're, we're working together to take the SketchUp model and pull that into another document to make the PDF. And you would think with two people, we would catch everything, but we don't. Uh -huh. I mean, I was, my brain was fried after writing the plan that something as simple as that, numbers or letters for uh, part numbers and letters mismatching was like a, a goofy error um, that one of us should have caught and we didn't. So apologies. Uh, Scotty has a good question. How do you safe to dispose of blades, specifically bandsaw blades? Mm. How do you get rid of those? And maybe there's a better way, but I just bend the crap out of them. Oh. Like I crease them so that they aren't, yeah, yeah. you know, so like when that other one broke and I had to get rid of it, I put it on the ground. I step on it every, you know, foot or so and kind of make like an accordion yeah. out of it. And then if you want, you can even wrap some tape around there so it doesn't have any chance of springing out when someone goes to do something with it. I'm sure the chat room will tell us all the cool things we could make with that pants all place. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what do I look like? Jimmy DeResta? <laughs> Manning made woodcraft. I recently built a stool and finished it with Rubio. I was lazy and didn't finish the end grain on the bottom of the stool legs. Will finishing the bottom of the legs decrease wood movement? Not really. No. Not with Rubio. I mean, theoretically, the end grain is where most of the moisture 
uh, going into and out of the wood over the course of seasons takes place. When we finish that, it slows that process down. It doesn't stop it, but it slows it down. In fact, on outdoor furniture pieces, I will do epoxy. I'll flip the piece over, put uh, blue tape around the outside perimeter, and drip epoxy into, until I have like an eighth-inch layer of epoxy on the top. You did a video on that. Yeah, so the more you seal it, the more likely you are to kind of slow down the uh, absorption of humidity and things like that. But you can't really completely stop it. And especially with Rubio, it's, you know, it is uh, sort of water resistant, but I don't think it's going to prevent water vapor or, you know, uh, water molecules that are in the air from penetrating the wood. Just <clears throat> slows it down a little bit. Cliff, what type of finish do you use on lighter wood such as maple or white oak that do not yellow the wood? I've tried a few different Rubio colors and haven't been too happy with the results. Get away from oils. you got to go to water-based. I actually did a post about this this week. Caused a little kerfuffle, Nicole. Did it? People like water-based. Kerfuffle. And I, uh, I made fun of it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I finished my outfeed table, walnut, doors, and uh, drawers with, uh, what did I use? Is general finishes high performance. Uh, that's a great finish, and I have used it on some painted projects. That's the kind of stuff I would recommend you use on a light-colored wood. My problem was I used it on a dark-colored wood, which to me makes the wood look completely lifeless. And I put up a post showing the difference between one finished with Rubio and one finished with this water-based stuff. It's a night and day difference. My personal preference is for the oil-based look, but a lot of people were like, hey, I kind of like that sort of washed-out, lifeless, dead look. They're into that thing. Uh, but I'm not personally, so, you know, whatever. But if you're doing lighter colored woods and you don't want them to yellow, you don't want to, maybe you even have like a white painted surface, you don't want to hit that with an oil-based finish because it just turns yellow. Um, so hit it with water-based finishes. They're considered water white is usually the finishing industry term uh, that will maintain the natural color. And I think you'll be much happier with that. Got a super chat from Kevin. Oh, hold on, sorry. Oh. The other thing you might do if you really do want to use Rubio, if you haven't tried it already, is Rubio Natural. Okay, they make two products that could be very confusing to people, pure and natural. So if you wanted to maintain, like, well, I'm not going to ask that question. Pure is the product that's basically your clear oil. Natural is a product that actually has a little bit of pigment in it, uh, and I believe it's a white pigment that just makes the wood look natural. It makes it look like it doesn't have finish on it. Uh, but the regular clear finish is their pure product. Okay. So, so try natural. That might, if you haven't already, that might Okay. Help. Can I speak now? Please, please do. I Kevin, love hearing your voice. Kevin O'Neill did a super chat and said, I've been building the split top Rubo bench mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we'll be cutting the, what is it, contour tails? Uh, condor. condor. Condor tails this weekend. Uh, do you have any tips for cleaning them up if the bandsaw cut is not great? Chisel. Chisel, chisel. Chisel, chisel. Chisel, chisel. I think I know your brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're big, open you know, gaps, you got a big chunky tail, get a sharp chisel and start slicing. Pair back and try to clean it up as best you can. There you go. I mean, there probably are ways that you could jig this up with a router and a flush trim bit and stuff like that. I just don't know that that's worth it. Um, but definitely try to clean it up with a chisel. You can also, um, you know, get a sanding block. So basically get a very, something very thin um, or a thin piece of wood and you could put sandpaper on that and try to use that as a flat surface if you're not that good with the chisel. Uh, or even if after you do the chisel trim, you just want to clean it up a little bit and smooth everything out, you could do something like that. I have a card scraper here, but I'm pretending this is a thin piece of wood. <laughs> there are also times though, if it's a real tight pin socket or something like that, 
Um, I had to do this recently on some sanding stuff. You take a card scraper, get a piece of sandpaper, and just use the card scraper because, you know, because it's actually hard and not that flexible. And you could really get into thin areas and use the card scraper as a flat backer. And that'll help you as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Got a question here from Kent. Oh, did I already? No, Kent Frost. I'm building a vinyl record cabinet for a friend who wants it painted glassy black. Yeah. I've suggested Baltic birch plywood, which he likes, but I'm mm-hmm. unsure how to properly paint it. Any advice? Okay, I don't paint very much, right? If I do paint, I tend to stick with what I know. Uh, General Finishes Milk Paint products are really good. They have a lamp black color. Uh, the reason I like it is because I'm familiar with the, the way these things work. So you could you could put that down as your base coat of paint, and then you could just hit it with uh, the same type of finish as we were just talking about, the water-based top coats to provide the shine. That's one way. Another way that I've done this in the past is to actually mix my own pigments and use finishes that I think actually look a little bit better. Uh, and that's to get a black pigment, which some paint stores will carry. It's just like little quart cans of pigment you could scoop out. Uh, and use any kind of lacquer that you happen to be familiar with, or really any uh, clear coat that you can add pigment to, mix it up. And pigment doesn't really dissolve, it settles down. So you got to keep mixing it, uh, and you could apply multiple coats of that with the pigment in there. You're kind of making your own paint in a way, but you're building it up with lacquer. And then you could start to put clear on top of that. Once you're, you know, once you have that like just dead flat black look, you could then start building your top coat on top of that. And that's the part that brings the shine. And the clear coat doesn't have the pigment in it, right? So you're just kind of building up layers of gloss and then you could do, you could buff it out, whatever process you want to do to get a high gloss, totally up to you. Um, But that is a way that I've done a couple of pieces. Do you remember way back in Arizona, uh, that woman commissioned me to refinish a chair from her childhood. And I don't it was just, remember that. Yeah, it was just a little kid's chair, and I think she wanted to give it to her daughter, but it was really in, in bad shape. And she wanted it to be white gloss. And I used that, that method with white pigment and lacquer, and it was the only time I've given a, a project to someone or did work for someone that made them cry. Oh, I don't remember this at all. You, you were How inside. did I miss this? You were probably playing Warcraft or something. <laughs> chatting with your friends. How in the world did I miss this? I don't know. It was really, it was, it really touched her. And you didn't even tell me about it. Oh, I'm sure we had many conversations about it. I don't remember this at all. I remember the, I could just be making all this up. I remember the hourglasses. Uh-huh. There was a number of projects you did in Arizona that yeah, I, yeah, it actually brought her like any, well, and the reason I knew every project is like, I was like monitoring. Cause you were we, counting the money. Yes. <laughs> so how many projects do we have? <laughs> So you're only making $100 this week? Okay, okay. All right. I'm going to go back to playing Warcraft. Yeah. Aww, it, was, a... it, was, it was pretty cool. And it looked really good. It was like a real deep piano type finish. Oh, that's yeah. cool. She loved it. Aww. All right. We actually do have to stop the show here pretty soon. So yeah. let's take like one more question. Okay. My alarm's going to go off. Okay. Uh, John says, I just got a new uh, PMV. Is that 11? PMV 11? Yep. A low-angle jack plane blade cool. from Lee Valley. Yeah, boy. What's needed to prepare it for use? Well, first of all, Lee Valley does the preparation for the most part. You can That's put cool. that thing in the plane and start using it. It is honed flat. It is fairly sharp on the bevel. All you can do is perfect it now, right? So this is the reason why you pay that extra money. You don't have to do that much work. Take it over to your stones and you want to lap the back. Uh, take it through your grit progression and you're looking to have at least a nice shiny area down by the bevel of the blade. 
You don't have to have the whole back perfectly flat. Just buff it up to the point that you almost have a mirror shine uh, at, as it goes to the tip. Then, of course, you want to do the same thing to the bevel. Choose whatever bevel angle you prefer. Try to get, you know, especially as, as good as those are sharpened, if you just get a secondary bevel, so if it comes at 20, ground at 25 degrees, you can go a couple degrees more and get all your sharpening right there at the tip of the blade, and it just takes a few passes to get there with your, with your highest grit. And then, of course, take the burr off the back, and that thing is ready to go. But I actually did have a blade recently that I did the same thing with, and we were kind of in a rush, so I just wanted to use it. And I'm like, screw it. I'm just popping it in and going. <laughs> it was fine. It cut really, really well. Uh, but then I did wind up honing it a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. I got one uh, super chat from Rob Dembski. And he says, oh, second one just came in. Unfortunately, I've been away from your channel for a while, so I may have missed the answer to this somewhere. What are your thoughts on Saw Stop? How dare you um, leave us and come back? <laughs> so, Rob, it, it's, it's funny. We just, Didn't I just answer we that last just week? talked about it last week okay. at the end of the show. If you're not familiar with how the live show works, we do the live show. And then about, I don't know, a few hours later, we get show notes. So if you if you're watching this recorded, if you expand the description, there's like little tags that you can just jump to that question. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to put a link to that show. Someone's at front door. Someone's at the front door. Good to know. <laughs> so I'm going to put a link to that show in the chat right now. Um, Mark talked about because somebody asked, "Would you ever upgrade to Saw Stop?" and it was and like I a whole it question as thoroughly and carefully as I could to because. Not Look P right P here. P off a sponsor. <laughs> right here. Power Mac has been with us since the beginning, 2007. Um, so that's our sponsor. Yeah. So it's not a very fair. Go Paramedic. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one here yep. from Adam Dobbs. He says, back to the natural finishes. General, finish, general finishes high performance or general finishes Endurovar uh, for natural finish on a white oak. Definitely not Endurovar. Or I'm think. Am I talking about the same thing? Is there another product? Because I'm I'm thinking you were saying Endurovar, but they may have another product called Enduro, maybe. But anyway, Endurovar is if you are using water-based finish and you want it to look a little bit more like an oil finish. Uh, General finishes Endurovar is the product you want to use. Uh, High performance is a product that's going to be water white. And I apologize if you if there is another product that's not Endurovar that you're talking about. Um, I don't know anything about that product. Okay. Uh, Jahan said a metal recycler for old blades. I guess I could just Google that. Yeah. The reality of recycling sometimes in certain areas is it's so much more trouble um, to find them, to locate them, to, to make sure, especially nowadays, can yeah, I actually can go there? Can go there, drop things off? Yeah, I mean, I, but that is a good idea. But I think if I have like, if I dispose of one bandsaw blade a year, yeah. You know, or two a year. I mean, if you're really putting out a lot, definitely find someone that you could do some kind of recycling with. Gotcha. Also, and make sure that they can take it. Like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know anything about metal. Um, so they may have restrictions on what things they are willing to accept. Someone asked what condor tails are from the Big dovetails. Big so dovetails. Dovetails, little dove. Condor tails, big condor. Uh, I think it was <laughs> Jamil Abraham at Benchcrafted. Uh, I like that. Yeah, he called them condor tails. Pretty sure he was the one who kind of coined that term. And it's the big honking uh, dovetails that you see at the front edge of uh, workbenches. Gotcha. <laughs> 
Okay. All I think right. that's about it. We are going to go to our after show mm-hmm. now. Um, I have a thing I got to get to after uh, the after show, which is why we're on a tighter schedule this morning. Um, so thank you all for your support. We really, 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 really appreciate it. And of course, we appreciate you hanging out with us every Friday. I'll put a link to the Patreon post um, for those that are Patreon supporters. If you're a YouTube supporter, I actually put a post up this morning because I couldn't get to it yesterday. Uh, yeah, so, what's up with that? I don't know. YouTube, all channel pages were down. What would happen if YouTube just disappeared? People would lose their minds. People would lose money. Yes. There's sure. a lot of people yeah, whose yeah. jobs now are re- reliant Tied. upon that platform. Yeah. It will be a scary thing. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. I uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll see you later.